0: Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Basar Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Well, today I want to talk about our main... Last week, Pastor Ross mentioned our some of our main key words, and maybe some of you can remember them. The first one's encounter, connect, belong, and and grow. About three people knew it. Awesome. Encounter, yeah, awesome. Everyone's taking notes and remembering everything. No, that's okay. We don't expect you to. But encounter, connect, belong, and grow. And today I want to talk about, seeing we're launching our series with our connect groups tonight, I want to link into that a little bit, but talk about connection and about being connected, uh, which is really important. And I want to highlight a point that connection is a choice. You can choose to Connect. And you can choose not to uh, in anything in life. And I want to talk about three areas. uh, And the three areas are connection with God, connection with other believers, like we're doing right now on a Sunday morning, and we do in other ways as well, and connection with those that don't yet believe in Jesus. Uh, All three are very important. And uh, the best model of those three things is Jesus. So I'm going to talk about how Jesus modeled those three things this morning and how it helps us to do those three things so the first one is connection with God and I want to uh, read I I saw a bit of an article a while ago um, by a guy called David Mathis and he um, had a quote I think it's going to go up on the screen in a moment and uh, which is a startling quote but it says this is by Pascal and it says all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone that was four hundred years ago, um, and you sort of go, "Oh, that's a bit over the top." And this, this is what this man says about this. He says, "A sweeping claim, but it might just be the kind of overstatement we need today to be awakened from our relentless stream of distractions and diversions." How hauntingly true might it be that we are unable to sit quietly? Can you do that? If I, if I asked you for put everything down for a moment, your phones, everything you're fiddling with in your hands, your feet that are moving, hands that are moving, and said, let's stay still for one minute and not say anything. Some of you could do it. Some of you were like, I need my phone. Where's my phone? I need my phone. I need to grab, I need a pen. Where's my Bible? And so sometimes we can be good at that. Sometimes, some of us, especially I would say more of our younger generation, uh, would struggle to do that. I know some kids that if I asked to do that, they would not make one. They would make 20, no one would make 20 seconds probably. And, uh, and so they would be like, I need to be doing something, I can't sit still. And so 400 years after Pascal, life may be as hurried and anxious as it has ever been. The com- uh, competition for our attention is ruthless We not only hear uh, one disturbing siren call, ambulances and fire trucks, we're hearing that a lot in our city all the time, call one after another, but an endless cacophony of voices, barrages all at once. And yet, long before Pascal, Jesus himself modeled for us the very kind of habits and rhythms of life we need in in any age. Even as God in human flesh, he prioritized time alone with his Father, Imagine what good he might otherwise have done with all those hours. But he chose again and again in perfect wisdom and love to give his first and best moments to seeking his Father's face. And if Jesus, even Jesus, carved out such a space in the demands of his human life, shouldn't we all the more? So that's something to think about that he wrote. So our Christian life uh, isn't meant to be lived solely alone with god right and it's not meant to be lived only in community with other believers or other people it's meant to be both and so i've seen so and and i would say this that if you don't if you do one only one of those things that your, your life will become out of balance. Yes, if you, are just, if you just solely go, I'm just going to spend time with God, I'm telling you right now, you'll become super spiritual, you'll become a hermit, and you'll become un, uh, you're, you're just, you won't be able to relate to other people. It beca- makes your life unbalanced. We need community, and we need time alone with God, and we need time with people that don't need Jesus to keep our lives balanced. And so, these are the, era- these are the areas we're talking about today. So in Mark 1.28, here's some examples of Jesus and, and things he done. And when you read this, you go, whoa, like, this is what Jesus did. And so Mark 1.28-37 says, The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. And after Jesus at the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick and in, in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. That alone is an incredible miracle. The son with a fever who was, if you've had a fever and you're feeling terrible, he prayed for her in a moment and then she's up making food. Like, I'm all good, that quickly. So he prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Then, listen to this, the whole town gathered at the door to watch. I'd read that and thought, I've never seen that before. The whole town. What if the whole town arrived at your door after hearing about a miracle? Just put it in perspective just for a moment. Where are the cars going to park in our modern day? Like they were just coming on foot, but like the whole town, I don't know how big the town was, but it's one house and the whole town came to the door to watch because they heard about the incredible miracles that are happening. So this is significant, right? Significant what's happening. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons, but because the demons knew who he was... He did not allow them to speak because he didn't yet want to know, be revealed to everyone who he was. Before daybreak, this is what Jesus did. Before the next morning, early in the morning, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and all the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Right? The whole town was there. And Jesus, and there was probably many others to be healed, many others to be ministered to, many other people that needed help, and Jesus got up early while everyone was still asleep, maybe stepped over some bodies that were sleeping through the streets or the front door that hadn't gone home, I don't know, and he went to an isolated place to spend time with his Father. His fame had spread everywhere, whole city was gathered at his front door, but Jesus took the remarkable step of going away from all that, and spending time with his father. Now some people would say, mate, he missed it. What an opportunity he missed. He could have had so many, incredible. what, what could, else could have happened in that moment? But Jesus understood the importance of personal time with his father. He understood that without personal time, his ministry to larger crowds and individuals would become ineffective. And he was totally okay With walking away from all that because he said, I need time with my father now because this is going to happen a lot. And he understood that, that suddenly that I had to, whether he changed his plans or he said, no, I need to move away. And even though there was all these people, he was okay with leaving that crowd, leaving all those opportunities because he knew that would come in the future. But spending time with his father was the most important thing in that moment. In Luke 4, Luke also says early in the next morning, Jesus went out into an isolated place. It's probably the same story or a similar situation. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. And if you keep reading that scripture, he said, no, I have to go to other towns and do the same thing. I can't go back with you. And he was okay with that. We go, oh, but Jesus, there's all these, there's all these needs, all that stuff. No, he was okay with leaving it. He went away, spent time with his father. Also, and obviously, after spending time with his father, he, he thought, I, I have to keep moving on. He understood where he needed to go next. And that was okay. Luke 5, 16 also says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So it wasn't something that happened occasionally. Jesus did this all the time. Other verses say, he, all night he went up onto a mountain and prayed. So he often went and spent time with his father. Also Matthew, it says in Matthew 14, 13 and 14, as soon as Jesus heard the news as John the Baptist had died, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. So now we've got not just one town, we've got many towns trying to find Jesus. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Remember, he's going off to spend time alone. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. This time, Jesus saw had such great compassion and saw the crowds that even though he knew he needed some time alone, John the Baptist had died, he was probably feeling a bit shaken with that. But at this time he decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and minister. And so he ministers all day to these people, thousands of them. Then, then it's also the story of the feeding of the 5,000 comes into that and then, and then after all that stuff happens, many people heal and he speaks to people. And then it says at the end of Matthew 14, 23, it says, and after sending them home, after being going all day long, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell and he was there alone. So Jesus understood the importance of connecting with his father and that he couldn't do what he was doing without doing that. And how can we ever think that we can do things that we need to do for God or in life, or get through life, and do all the things we want to do without doing the same thing. Because when you get tired and worn out, it's usually because something's out of balance. You know, we you get tired, and and but when you get weary, or when you get you know too tired, or things are just out of whack, it's usually, usually because either haven't haven't been spending enough time with the father or you haven't been stopping or you've been trying to do something that's maybe not exactly your gift and and you can wear yourself out something gets out of balance and jesus understood that and he was okay with saying no no not now even though there was crippled and, he, and people that are sick and we've gone, oh but all those people and he has the power to do it but he said no Because he said, if we're going to make this through these next three and a half years or whatever it is, that I need this time with my Father to do what he's called me to do. And so Mark, Luke and Matthew all record Jesus spending time alone with the Father. It says he prayed... It says he refers to Jesus fasted, and he also would have recited the Old Testament. Now, he didn't have a physical Bible. He, 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 he memorized the first five books of the Bible. When he grew up, that's what they did. He, he, he would have memorized them. Good luck with that. I haven't memorized the first good five, uh, five books of the Bible, but uh, people have and still do this day. And the, he understood it. So he would recite the Word of God, the Old Testament, and he would have known it. He didn't have a written copy to carry around. There were some copies in the temple and scrolls in the temple, but they weren't something that people had personally. That's why people would go to the temple to hear the reading of the scrolls in the Old Testament and they would h- h- understand it or remember it and they'd pass it on to their, the stories, to their family and their children. That's the only way it ever happened. And so easily today, we take the Bible for granted. We don't realize how valuable it is. Do you realize that people died to translate the Bible you have in your hand? Because people thought it's te- you can't translate it. You shouldn't do that. can't translate another um, language. And so not just a few people, but many, many people have died so that you could have a copy of that Bible. And now we've got multiple copies, as many as we want. It's so easy to have it. And we just go, oh, yeah, this is it's a book. I can get it so easily. But it was never, ever like that. There's, there's even today. There's, I've heard stories of missionaries say that there's places in the world where, you're not, where it's illegal to have a Bible, and they smuggle a Bible in. And even today, this is very recent. They, they, they will tear out a page, and they'll share it with a family, and someone else will tear out another page, and they'll share, and they'll make a copy of it. And that one page is all they've got of the Word of God. And they take one Bible and they spread it around the whole town, the whole, to all these, just so they can read something of the Word of God. And out of that one page, God has spoken to people and they get saved and they meet Jesus and they have a personal relationship with him. Because they are so valuable, they're trying to They say this is so precious that they make, and they'll make they make one copy of that page and so they can share it with someone else. And then we've got, we take it so for granted. This is the living word of God. The life, the power of God. It's the word of Jesus. It's Jesus' words to us and we should never ever take it for granted. But when we We need to make time to pray, to read the Word of God, to value it, to make time to fast. And if you regularly do that, you can fast food or fast something else. But Jesus did all these things and he modeled these things to the disciples. So the first thing was that the first point is connecting with God. So we need to do that. The second one is connecting with other believers and so Jesus did, you know, connect with his father, but then he also connected with large groups of people, as we've just heard. And he did this, and I'm going to share one of those in a moment. Large groups of people, he connected with his uh, apostles, his disciples in smaller groups. Sometimes he connected with one on one with Nicodemus and other people. Sometimes it was two or three people. And so Jesus met people in different sized groups and connected with other believers. And one of the most amazing uh, times when he did this was the Sermon on the and I'm not going to read the scripture to you but I'm just going to read the headings of what Jesus talked about and actually in the chosen tonight you will see this scene the sermon on the mount is the first uh, is the first uh, episode of series three and what he talks about and so we see this amazing thing happen with you know hundreds thousands of people I don't know how many exact number were there at this time but they're on the side of a hill and Jesus taught about giving to the needy but don't be showy about it he talked about prayer and fasting and about praying in private, just like we just mentioned then. He talked about money and possessions. He talked about not judging others. He talked about effective prayer. He talked about the golden rule, the, the narrow gate that leads to eternal life. He talked about the tree and its fruit that we should be a tree of, like, with next to living water and then a good tree will bear Good fruit and a bad tree will bear good, a bad fruit. And he talked about being true disciples and what that means. And he talked about building on a solid foundation. It's two chapters long of him standing and teaching to all these people, connecting with other believers. And as believers, it's so important that we gather together, that we're gathered together this morning. This is so significant that we gather together. It's, it's great to have one-on-one time with God, but we also need to gather together corporately. There's something happens when we gather together corporately that's different to just you, you and God. There's a different dynamic that happens. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says that, "'Let us think of ways to motivate one another "'to acts of love and good works, "'and let us not neglect our meeting together.'" as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So it says, don't neglect gathering like this. Don't neglect gathering together in a in the large group, in the small group. Don't, don't neglect gathering together. It says to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It says to encourage one another. And so it's important that when we gather together, because there's a dynamic that happens, a dynamic that's different to other dynamics when we're in one place with one purpose and one intent we come in one place, one purpose in one intent. When we gather here today, our, our one purpose and intent is to lift up the name of Jesus and to worship him. And if you put him first and lift up his name above everything else, then everything else falls into place. Then it releases the power of God. It releases healing. It releases salvation. It releases his presence to move. And his spirit moves and speaks to people's hearts and lives. When you lift him up, we come together as one purpose, one intent. It says when we're all gathered together. In one accord when we're gathered together in unity God commands the blessing and so when we're gathered together there's a dynamic that happens that doesn't happen individually when you're spending time with God God will still speak to you and touch your life, but there's a different dynamic that happened there's a corporate anointing that is released when we gather together Two examples of this is in one, both of them are probably fairly well known. The first one's very well known in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on Pentecost. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. There was 120 of them. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It's amazing that it says there's a roaring windstorm, but it doesn't say there was any wind. In other words, they heard it sound like a wind. But they maybe didn't feel any wind. But it was a roar that came. And, they're not, and the only, they weren't the only ones that heard it. The whole town heard it. And that's why the whole town came running to this place, this building, and go, what sound is this? Like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so they were gathered in one place, and God's power was released in that moment. There's a dynamic that happens when you're gathered together, that anything is possible. And then, and if you read on, thousands, 3,000 people then gave their life to Jesus, and we want to follow Jesus after Peter jumped up and just began to speak to them. Another example is in a little bit further on in the book of acts 4 29 to 31 and peter and john had just been put in prison because they simply grabbed a guy by the hand and said get up and walk and this guy got healed and it was on the sabbath and the leaders weren't happy and so they said you shouldn't be healing someone on this day and that's bad and even though this guy's standing there completely healed, it was late in the day, so they basically threw him in prison. And the next day, they had this whole big conversation. And then, and in the end, they said, oh, well, they will just have to release him because they couldn't say anything because this guy was standing there completely healed. And no matter what they tried to say or do, they couldn't. The whole crowd's going, but they, he's been healed. It's a miracle. He was crippled for 40 years and they had nothing to argue with because the power of God simply showed up. And so they didn't have anything. They had to let them go. And so when they let them go from prison, they gathered together with the other believers, and everyone was like, "Yeah!" And they started to share the story about what was going on. And I just want to pick the uh, prayer up. They start to pray together halfway through, and it says, "And now, O Lord, hear their threats." This is in, in, in Acts 4:29 to 31. Hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. These are the same people who filled the Holy Spirit earlier. You can be filled again and again and again. Like Jesus kept going to go and spend time with the Father, He was being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. He was being filled up because He was giving out. In the same way, we need to be constantly filled and we constantly be giving out. You need to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit because it's not, not once is when you give out, it's like, oh, my tank's a bit empty. I need to spend time with the Father. I need to get in God's presence corporately with everybody and be filled again with the Holy Spirit and they were filled with the Holy Spirit then they preached the word of God with boldness again the corporate meeting together this is a bit smaller group and they were meeting together and as they prayed God's power just comes to place there's a dynamic that happens don't ever don't ever, you know, think, oh, I need, I don't, if I miss church, it's all right. You know, we need to be, don't make it regular habit to be in church because you never know God, what God will do in this place, that God does a dynamic that you can't have alone or, or somewhere else. It's just like, it's just a dynamic that happens when we meet together, when the church gathers, there's power that is released. The other place we gather is small groups, and that's what we're launching tonight, a series we're doing. And small groups is so important as well. It's it's a slightly different dynamic. Again, we're gathering together, but in a smaller group of people, it's a different dynamic to this larger gathering on a Sunday. It's a place to learn about and discuss the Word of God, the Bible together. It's a place to build deeper friendships that you can't build on a Sunday and so you can get to know people so much on a Sunday and we have morning tea afterwards and get together and meet someone or whatever but when you're part of a smaller group and you're connecting with 10 or 12 or up to 15 people you actually get to know someone a whole lot more and you have more time to spend together which is so important that's part of the church that's where a community of people it's all a connection and and friendships is all part of worshiping Jesus it's all connected it's just as important and so when we're part of a small group we're able to do this that's why we're saying if you want to join a small group if you want to you know join the men's shed or whatever it may be one of the women's groups or one of our connect groups that meet on different nights there's so many different areas to join it's because we want it's not just being part of something it's about being you growing and connecting with other people it helps you to grow it helps you get connected the other thing it does is a place to care for others and be cared for and you know, because the reality is if we, cause there's in, you know, maybe in the past or maybe you've been in a smaller church and said, well, if they're just the pastors and the leaders, that they just got to care for everyone and we'll just attend church. Well, if we stick with that model, you'll have a whole lot of burnout pastors and main leaders in your church and the church won't grow too much at all. And the other thing about that is that it's not even biblical um, from when you read the scripture, but also it's... It's ripping you guys off. Because do you know one of the best ways to grow is when you help and care for other people? One of the best ways for you to grow into maturity as the scripture says in a moment, is to actually grow and help and be a part of a church, every part doing its work. And so if we, if we go, no, it's okay, we've got a team, we're just going to we'll handle all this stuff and you guys just attend and that's fine. It's actually, we'd be ripping you guys off because you'd be like going, oh yeah, I go along, but I don't really feel like I'm doing much. I don't really feel like I'm a part of that. And you your growth kind of just sits there. And you kind of grow a bit stagnant. And you go, after I go, I don't even know why I go anymore. I kind of go there. I don't feel like I'm needed. Or, you know, I meet a few people. But, and, but that's not the way it's meant to be. Every part needs to be doing its work. In Ephesians 4, 16, it, it, it talks about this. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so every part, now some people will do more than others and that's fine. But every part does its work. Let me say this, this may offend some people, but if your mindset is just that the pastors and the main leaders need to do all the work and do all that, that's a very immature picture of church. Your church will stay small. We won't grow. But church will grow when every part does its work. When everyone, when people are released, because we are the church, that's how it's meant to work. That's how Jesus sent out 72 to go out and said, you start ministering to people. That the early church was full of people of of larger gatherings and smaller gatherings. And everyone was involved in doing all different things. And everyone grew. Everyone grew because every part was doing this work. And some people had more time than others. And I'll tell you this, I'm not just talking about on a Sunday. Church is at your workplace churches at your school churches in your home churches in the shopping center churches down the beach every it's all seven days a week it's all through the day through your normal life where it all flows together you meet people and connect with people that's part of the larger body when you're connecting people it's not just about one day the church is much greater than that it's it's about people I saw this uh, statement, I just read this, came across this the other day. It says, church health rather than church size is what defines success within a congregation. Vibrant and lived out Christianity was the critical factor in the rapid growth and spread of the early church. In other words, it's not about numbers of people. It's about health. And when something is healthy, you can't help but it will grow with numbers of people. But the health has to be there. It's not about, oh, let's, we've got lots of numbers. That means it must be healthy. No, not necessarily. We need to be healthy. We need to connect with others and our connect groups, So as we launch them tonight and as people are, and if you haven't joined a connect group and you want to, uh, out in our welcome area today, uh, there's a form, you can grab one of our normal forms and just tick uh, tick connect groups. We've got people this week that are wanting to join groups and we've been connecting them all week. Uh, There's room in all our groups, so if you would love to join a group and uh, start this series we're going to launch tonight and just get connected with people. There's many different groups, many on different days. It's so vital. And I'd encourage you if you're saying, well, what, what could I do? You might have some gifts and abilities. You want to serve in one area. You might have a lot of time. Or you might have hardly any time. I know there's some very busy people in our church. We have teachers and doctors and professionals and, and all those. And you have, go, I've only got limited time. That's okay. You can just do, you just do your bit. Just do your little bit to stay connected and, and to speak in the life. One word of encouragement to one person in one in, in one week can be all that matters to that person. One encounter, one moment, it could be. Whatever you have to give, it's so important. And Jesus is just, he just loves it when we just serve out of a heart of love for others and care for others. Now, I know the guys, are, have we got any sound or not? Are we, we have now. Amazing. That means I can show you a video I'm going to show at the end. Okay, so third point, And now this is one of my favorite points, is connecting with, this, with those that don't yet believe. And uh, one of the greatest things you can do is connect with people that don't know Jesus. Jesus connected with the lost, lonely, and broken people. He connected with those that no one else wanted to bother with. He connected with people that others were afraid of. Remember the guy, the guy full of, possessed with demons, he went across the boat and he was chained up. And the people were so scared of him, they just chained him up. Didn't know what to do with him, he broke the chains, he was living in a cemetery Jesus went and set him free. No one else wanted to go near him. He connected with people that others thought were unimportant. And so, you know, the greatest thing you can do is connect with people. I'm, I'm involved. I coach some soccer teams. I'm involved with um, cricket with my son. I'm involved with a lot of community stuff. And I'm, So I've got about 30 different groups of parents that I would connect with throughout the year None of them, there's one actually that, that go to church and a whole bunch of them that don't know Jesus. But I just like hang out with them, chat to them. I don't, I don't, I'm not even in their face going, I am a pastor or whatever. If they ask, I tell them what I do. But I'm just out there hanging out with them and they get to know them and they're just hearing their stories, listening to them. And there's needs that come up. And there's like, when I remember last year we were coaching soccer and there's needs that come up and, and people go, oh yeah, I can't make it this week because my mum's sick or this has happened or this person's had an accident. And I'm going, oh, that's, you know, and I don't, because they're not Christian, you don't sort of go, oh, well, I'll pray for you in Jesus' name. And I go, well, what does that mean? And so it's like, hey, well, I'm thinking of you and if you need any support or if you, you know, need anything, please let me know. And you can simply speak in a language they understand. That's what Jesus would do. And then an opportunity might come up where you can pray with them or do something. But it, we need to be connected with those that don't know Jesus. And so there's a story which I love. And I'm going to show a video out of a clip out of The Chosen Season 2 to link into tonight. If you haven't seen The Chosen or, or you haven't watched it for a little while, <coughs> then uh, this is just going to link in tonight. gives you an idea of uh, what it's kind of like. And there's an incredible story and in John 5, 1-13 about the Pool of Bethesda and a guy who's healed. And I want to read it to you first, and then I'm going to watch it. And it says, From Galilee, Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish feasts. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called, in Aramaic, it's called the House of Loving Kindness, is what it means or Bethesda, a lot of versions say. But in Aramaic, it means the house of loving kindness. Surrounded by five covered porches, hundreds of sick people were lying under the covered porches, the paralyzed, the blind, and the crippled. All of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God periodically descended into the pool to stir the waters, and the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters swirled would instantly be healed. Can you just imagine the, comm- the commotion? Like the water's stirring, there's hundreds of people racing to the, the pool who are crippled, who are sick, you know, pushing each other. I want to get healed. I want-. All this stuff was going on. Among the many sick people lying there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be well? The sick man answered, sir... There's no way I can get healed. I've had no one to lower me into the water when the angel comes. And as soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and you will walk. Immediately he stood up. He was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. Now Jesus worked this miracle on the Sabbath. And when the Jewish leaders saw the man walking along carrying his sleeping mat... They objected and said, what are you doing carrying that? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? Been there for 38 years, crippled. They would have known it. It's not lawful for you to carry things on the Sabbath. He answered them, the man who healed me told me to pick it up and walk. What man? they asked him. Who was this man who ordered you to carry something on the Sabbath? But the healed man couldn't give them an answer, for he didn't know who it was. (laughs) He didn't know who Jesus was. (laughs) Since Jesus had already slipped away into the crowd. Before we watch this video, I want to just highlight a few thoughts. 38 years is a long time to be crippled. He had watched others getting healed for years, but not him. I don't know how long he's been at that pool for. Maybe it wasn't... The thirty-eight years, but it would have been a long time. It would have been years. Can you imagine laying there, and watching every and watching when that water swells? Someone whose first thing gets healed, and they leave healed, and then you see it again, and then you see it again, and you see it again. What what kind of state would you be in? And he says, and he says. No one was here to help him. In other words, other people, you know, had, you know, they might have had a hand that was with it or an injury or sick of some kind and they could get themselves to the pool. He was crippled and he, his legs and he was lame and his legs didn't work, so he couldn't get there. And obviously, there's some others like him, but they, he said, no one's here to help me. In other words, other people had been helped. Family members or friends had the time to, to maybe, okay, when this water swirls, so I'm going to sit here with you they didn't know when it was going to happen i'll sit here with you and then we'll get to the water and get you so maybe you'd seen other people like him here because he had help but no one was there to help him whether his family had died or he had no friends or someone had the time or whatever it may be but he had no one to help him all his faith and all his hope was in the water He was laying down, there must be, someone might come along. If I just stay here long enough, someone might come along and get me into the water. Someone might come and help me. Because the water is the only thing, the only thing that I can get healed. I need to get healed. It's the only way I can do it. And Jesus knew all this. And so then he shows up and encounters, there's an encounter in his life. And we're just going to watch this out of the Chosen, guys, if we can play that. Okay, Jesse, Uh you're moving from the edge. There's no point. It was a dumb idea. You're not going to try anymore. No, Jesse, if you don't have any hope, then why are you still here? been here the longest What doesn't belong a sad one Shalom me yes Shalom I have a question for you for me I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later, but my question remains. Will you take me to the water? I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. (laughs) I've tried. Hope again, I understand. But this pool. It has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? To walk like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. Don't you love when you can when you can see something visual and and put the Bible into and try and picture what it would have been like with all those people around and and I don't know why Jesus didn't heal others but he came for him. Maybe others encountered him once they found out who he was and got healed in other places, which is totally possible. It wasn't the last time he went back there, but on that day, that was his time. So the chosen's on tonight and that if you haven't seen it before it's it's um it gives you it tells the story of Jesus and the disciples and, and puts a whole lot of background behind it as well as the times they were living in. I just want to finish with this today. Worship team, if you want to come on up. You know, who do you know that is physically, spiritually, emotionally paralyzed, sick or crippled that need Jesus? Who do you know in your life that needs Jesus. They might be emotionally sick, emotionally paralyzed. They might be physically physically needing healing. Who do you know that needs Jesus? Because I want to tell you, you're the connection to Jesus. You're it. Jesus is calling us. He's, we're the connection to those that don't know him. Yes, there's times when you will meet them face-to-face or a miracle or an encounter or something, but most times it's you. Most times it's you stepping out as an invitation or a, a time to help with, a, with care or whatever it may be, but it's you. You're it. If you know about it, then more than likely Jesus is saying, you're the one. You're the one to connect with them. Might be your neighbor, might be a family member, might be someone you see, you've gone past and walked past them many times, and you see a whole lot of need, and you're thinking, I wonder who's helping them. Might be you that needs to help them. We all need to spend one on time, one on one time with God. We all need to connect and care with other believers. With that, with with fellow believers like we are today we all need to connect with those that don't yet know Jesus let me put it another way we need to be friends with God we need to have friends who are believers and we need to have friends who aren't believers and if any of those things if we do one of them or two of them and not all three our life will get out of balance You'll get overloaded or you'll think, well, you know, how, well, how come, you know, we can, I'm going to church and all this stuff, but if something's missing, God's saying, you just need to connect a few more with a few more people that don't know me. You need to reach out to someone that doesn't know me and see maybe a miracle happen. Someone that no one else wants to go and reach. And that's simply what Jesus asks us to do. Be active, reaching out to ones that no one else, that person that no one else wants to talk to at work, the person that's difficult, the person that you think, oh, you know, someone else will do that. I want to deal with that. It's going to be too hard. Jesus just wants you to step out. He is able to do more than you think. When you just take an act of obedience and a step God he's amazing how the Holy Spirit will be at work and take and do the rest if you would just step out why don't you stand to your feet today connecting with God connecting with believers connecting with each other with other Christians that like we are today and small groups as well and connecting with those that don't yet know Jesus there's hundreds of people that are in a condition like that man at the pool not physically but spiritually emotionally, dealing with mental health. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in our city, not just our city, our nation, but let's just think about our own city. There's our hospitals overloaded. There's services that are overloaded. And there's, a ho- there's thousands of people that need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need an encounter with Him. And you're it. You're the connection point. We're the connection point. Our churches, the church of this city are the connection point with Jesus. Jesus does the changing. You don't. You can't change anyone, but you can connect them to the one that can. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.